Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for another version of This Life podcast. That's right, without Bob Forrest, but Shelly's Spray again. standing in. Shelly Sprague doing, here. doing a wonderful job, and maybe we'll just kick Bob out forever. Yeah, I don't he know. He wants her to. He's, he's making He's been an album. asking. He's making <laughs> music. He's making music. Okay, good for him. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, whatever yeah, Bob needs talented. to do. He is really talented. Very talented. Everyone forgets Bob was a rock star in the 80s, literally mm-hmm. one of the most significant Significant musicians in well, Los Angeles. I have not forgotten that. But you were, were you part I, of that? I was, I was there. <laughs> like were you, were you, but I know you were using with him mm-hmm. back in the days. Yes, were you part of yes. his whole rock scene too? Um, I was extremely aloof around any of the, you know, the types of, of bands and stuff. It was very kind of a local scene, but it was happening. I yeah, mean, yeah. It was really happening. Well, all the Chili Peppers were the, the main sort of. Those were the that was the main orbiter. Yeah, those right? were, it was orbiting around <laughs> it that. It was group, orbiting yeah. around them, but yeah, it was um it was a great time. It was an interesting time. I don't have huge amounts of memories of it because when you're not when you're strung you know, out on heroin, when you're strung out on heroin, you're smoking crack, you know, you're drinking <laughs> lots of booze and stuff. Turns I mean, out you don't remember things. You just so well. don't remember that much. I mean, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that was the eighties. That was the yeah, 80s? And the very the 80s. early 90s. Yeah. Whew. When did you get sober finally? 95, 95. 95. 23 years. Let us bring in some we worked with on Celebrity Rehab. <laughs> Amber Smith. You can follow her on Facebook at Real Amber Smith and also on Instagram, Amber Lee Smith One. Amber, welcome. Hi, how are you? You're great. Oh, listen to her, right? Hello. Hey there. <laughs> Have you and Shelly spoken since like in years and years? No, but I thought about her the other day when I was thinking about opiate addiction and she had said that it's, it's a horse of a different color because you don't really realize what's going on around you. You're, you're euphoric. You really can't see the destruction. And I thought so much about her when I was thinking about how special opiates are with this endemic and like, you just can't, you, 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 you can, you look. Uh oh! Oh, you're breaking down. You're breaking up on us. Are you still there? Can you hear me? I Uh-oh. hear you now. Yeah, we we, Can you hear me? we we heard most of what you said about the yeah, opiates. So don't move around too much. Get the right Wi-Fi. Oh. And just sit still. Okay. You know what? Let me try to just stay in a right. good Wi-Fi. Yeah. Maybe there you this go. is a lucky spot. Perfect. And uh, I was also I was telling Shelly. Maybe uh, should say that. Shelly, there was something you you I mean, Amber, something you said to me a few years ago that I was sharing with Shelly that really stayed with me about how for you know I used to always tell you to connect to your feelings and to, to connect to other people. And you like, uh-huh. you said for, you didn't know what I was, she didn't know what I was talking about because she was cut off from her feelings. Sure, okay. And you said it was even like two years after you stopped using that the yeah. feelings started coming back. Is that about right? That's about, oh boy. the weirdest thing is perspective. Yeah. When I was using, I thought like, let's say you're watching a movie and it's, te- I think it's terrible. And somebody else is like, well, I kind of liked it. 
I thought they were lying. I thought we all saw the same terrible movie and that they were lying. Mm. Um, I, I didn't send other people's perspective. There's uh, all these other perspectives and they can be very different. And I, I had no clue. It was like, I, I could only see things through my perspective. Isn't that interesting? The, the opiates sort of lock you into that. The myopic yeah. sort of view that, yeah. because you get into such levels of survival mode that you can't really expand on anything you're, you're just so self self-centered it's almost like if you're in, if you were in pain all you could think about was all your pain you, exactly yeah. it's just a singleness mm-hmm. of purpose that you can't really expand out and to see things from other perspectives mm-hmm. you don't have the luxury of that when you're in complete survival mm. and amber talk to us about how you are now what's going on i, I just i just I, I i have to say this because i remember these stories you would tell me about you, you, these psychiatrist office, you'd wait and having panic attacks outside their offices. And these people, no one ever helped you, and now you're thriving. Tell tell us how you're doing now. Oh, oh boy. Um, see, I don't know where where I, we last left off. Let me just give you a quick synopsis of, of like the last like eight years. So I did the show, and I kind of didn't want to go back into entertainment. It just it was lost for me. I had, I. Had, been using so much drugs and doing entertainment. I was so burnt out. So I kind of went into like reclusion. I was very lost for a long time, but in recovery and loving recovery, but lost. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I I couldn't remember half of my life. So there were several like, like uh, uh, obscure years there. And then I got into a relationship and I started to travel around with this relationship. And I, I really grew in that relationship, you know, serving someone else's needs and then I got sick. I was literally on top of the world, you know, in this relationship. And he moved me away from LA. He said, I want to get you out of Los Angeles. And I was like, please. And he, and he moved me by the beach and I got ill and I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I got very sick mm-hmm. and I started to kind of go down the rabbit hole in, in health and look at all different kind of alternative healings and for two years, I was like bedridden. And then finally, I realized it was my implants. Right. Um, okay. I had silicone implants and had to take them out. I don't know if, if I have discussed this with you. Did I discuss this last time? I don't think so. Anyway, I removed them after two years of being bedridden. And I'm getting better. And that, that was actually two years ago. But during that time where I was trying to figure out everything about health, I entered this school, the Los Angeles School of Homeopathy. And I became a homeopath because I was just so lost. I was just trying to find anything to help me not die. And I, you know, I found a whole new career that I'm incredibly passionate about. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are, you, yeah. are you treating other people now? About to. I have two cases to turn in to graduate and then it's all me. Oh my God, how exciting for you. Okay. I know. So what, do you know what the syndrome or what that was that was making you sick particularly? Silicone toxicity. So I had saline implants. So Uh I thought I was safe. You heard all this stuff about silicone implants. Well, saline implants are wrapped in a silicone shell. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just the inside has saline and not silicone. Mm -hmm. So all implants have silicone. The silicone's toxic to the body. And if you go on these, these uh, Facebook groups or people that are, are having the same symptoms, they're having ringing in their left ear, they can't get out of bed, uh, their, their eyes are very swollen up, it's the same symptoms. Uh, Silicone is really bad for the body, and also there's platinum in implants as well. So I started to feel better and better, but I, I didn't even think I was going to survive the surgery hmm. to get them out. 
Wow. Okay. okay. I have the same sip- symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't have any implants. I don't have implants. Uh, are, are, you, um, are, are you still in that relationship? Is that working okay? I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm still out here. You know, I got sick and I couldn't travel. Um, and I was so ill. Yeah. I, I basically was it kind of went back into survival mode, but in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm feeling much better now. I didn't realize my thyroid was low and I just got it checked and I got put on thyroid and I feel amazing. Great. Oh, that's good. And I, okay. I remember you, when I last saw you in person, you had a friend who was a psychiatrist that you were hanging around with mm-hmm. and she, mm-hmm. did she help you? Yeah. Oh, we're, I mean, I have the, the most amazing friends. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I've, I've built that part of my life up really well. I've built up careers coming into love life that's never been that great that's the last holdout right there but uh yeah yeah i've got a great group of friends i have a squad <laughs> that's good and uh and are you living now still by the beach i'm by the beach i'm still in the house that we had but he's just not here and, and your mom how's how's she doing my mother passed away oh yeah, sorry. She passed away, thank you, about a year and a half ago. Huh. Okay. I mean, she was yeah. pretty old, right? She must have been in her 80s. No, she was late 70s, but she was very sick. Yeah. And just a heart failure. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. My goodness, poor thing. How, how do you – now, to, speaking of perspective, I, I really think that's an interesting topic that people don't talk enough about. And, and, I'm, and you probably see your life through a, from a different perspective now, right? How, how do you, oh. yeah, how to explain, how do you feel about that? How do you see that now? Oh, I don't know. Uh, um, I'm now quite religious. Mm-hmm. So things look very different to me now. Before I just thought I was on this globe, you know, that's spinning around and, you know, we just reincarnate and that's that. And uh, drug addiction was just a coping mentality. And now it's so much different for me now. Now I'm a born again Christian. I, I had to, I had a very bad thing happen. I was very into new age for a long time and, and the occult and had something very bad happen as quick as I could. Um, and now I'm a born again Christian. I see things very differently now. I see that we're kind of in the spiritual battle. I feel like the Christians were right. I feel like it's a battle of good and evil in the world. And, and I just didn't have God in my life. And I just went far left. You know, I just went into drugs and alcohol and escorting and I got really, really lost. And is, do you, are you in the, I, I, I think dark and light is actually an interesting way of experiencing these things for you because I remember feeling the darkness with you. And are you in the light now? Do you feel like the light is there? Oh, I feel so much better. Yeah. So homeopathy has very, interesting way of looking at drugs and alcohol you may not agree with this but it's it's kind of unique they they believe that alcoholism is suppressed syphilis that it's uh like people that that have syphilis or suppressed syphilis rather are very ocd uh they drink to die they are the people that that they completely self-destruct they're the people that can't even have mouthwash with alcohol and that drug addiction is suppressed gonorrhea and typically people uh, with suppressed gonorrhea, the first time they have sex, they get uh, uh, warts. They get HPV, genital warts. So they're night people. can't really think until nighttime. And it, it's this, it's really interested, interesting. And I got treated with something called metarinum, which is uh, uh, the remedy for gonorrhea, which is drug addiction, because I never much of an alcoholic. And I do feel so much better. I mean, even 
I, I feel better going to God and being a Christian. And I feel better after taking that remedy. That's why I, you know, now I specialize in homeopathy for addiction. And what's the remedy? Metarinum. And for where, gonorrhea. Where is and, that? And for syphilis, it's syphilinum. And, and where, where do you derive these products or where do the, where, who makes them? How do you get them? Well, they're overseas. They're, they're hard to get. Okay. Um, it's, it's not easy, but we get them. Homeopathy mm-hmm. has just been pushed very much underground by big pharma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredibly transformational. And, um, I, again, I came about it by accident. I didn't even believe in that stuff right. until I had to go to that school. Cause I was so ill from what I later found out was the implants. Mm-hmm. And they also teach you a lot about wh- what makes you toxic in there. And, you know, like, uh, mercury and, and silicon and you know certain adjuvants in in uh, vaccines and aluminum and so i'm that girl now <laughs> okay okay well you seem to be thriving that's that's the nice, the nice thing to see you smiling and laughing and just so bright thank you yeah it really is and and i i it seemed like that relationship was good for you when it lasted right you're saying the relationship yeah. was not good but it was, it was good when you were in it it was good when i was in it i just got sick that's it you know yeah. I, cu- I couldn't get in it he liked to travel and i just got ill that's yeah. it. You know, it was just karma. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> well, the other thing, one of the reasons I want to check in with you, I noticed I was, you know, I scrolled through my Facebook page once mm-hmm. in a while, and all of a sudden, Amber got very active and very aggressive on Facebook. I was like, oh my goodness, okay. Amber is speaking out. Mm-hmm. It, what's going on there? <laughs> Again, that goes back to um, becoming a Christian and looking at things. I was, I was a Democrat for 20 years. And kind of, you know, very much on the left, you know, climate change, the whole thing. And then I don't even know what happened. I got baptized two months later. The world just flipped upside down for me. Everything that I thought was good was bad. And everything I thought was bad was good. And (laughs) I I, I saw, you know, as 16 years old, the first time I had sex, I got pregnant and had to have an abortion. And it just hit me like a bomb all these years later that I murdered my child. And I, I... I now I used to think Republicans were selfish and they just cared about cutting taxes for the rich. And I, 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 I bought the liberal lie. I, I, I bought it all. And now I completely see the Republican point of view. And, and, and I'm, I want to speak out to other people that are kind of lost in the liberal lie. That's just my opinion. And, and show them, hey, you, you may be going down the wrong road here. Okay, can you explain to me how religion and politics are married here? It just happened. I, like I said, I I, she I, got, I I came into Christianity, and within uh-huh. two months uh-huh. of being baptized, my I walked out my front door, and everything flip flopped. And here's the weirdest thing: so my car broke down on the side of the road, and this guy came to give me a tow. And and I was thinking, like maybe I should, you know, I kept breaking down. Maybe I should get a new car. And he said, "Well, don't get those self-driving cars." So we started getting into conspiracy theories and stuff about does the is the government behind the self-driving cars? And then suddenly he says, "I got to tell you something." The whole world popped upside down for me, and I started to see everything different. Like that, that you know, they're trying to make bad boys and bad girls the ones you want, and the good girls and the good by good boys. Are the, everything is flipped upside down, you know what I mean, in, in society. And narcissism and, and being all about self is, is self-love. And, and, and all this uh, tolerance for perversion is just, you know, just, just love one another. Don't have any boundaries. And I said to him, that's the same thing that happened to me. And he also had just become a Christian. I can't tell you why 
when you become a Christian, you suddenly start to see the world very differently, but you you see the world with new eyes. Let, let me just summer, uh, to give you a, a, just a, a basic taste of what of what Amber posts. Candace Owen is badass. That, I think that, that pretty uh, captures the tone of Amber's. Well, of Amber's forgive post. me, but I I, the, I understand Christianity. I grew up in in a household where. Um, you know that was that was definitely part of our our family culture later on um but what i don't understand is how religion and christianity becomes married to politics in america and that's my question i don't think ever understands and knows it she just makes the association there she's saying something happened okay some temporal some well, born again politician or, or maybe you do know yeah, more exactly. tell us <laughs> well it also you know there's this kind of generalization of the religious right and the godless left a little bit or, or there's a little bit of, of that going on that's always been around so so it made you skeptical about the left uh, it made me see through the left yeah well it's interesting because christianity was began far before um america was a country and i'm just I guess I'm just wondering what the because there's lots of Christians in this Both country sides. and sides. there's lots of Christians in other countries as well who are who are under the laws of different types of politics and different structures uh, economically and different structures. I, I think Amber just observing something about her. I just observed something about her and she's telling us it sort of happened to her. She, I think if we talked to her in six months, she'd probably have more to tell us. Oh, okay. Don't you think, Amber? Yeah, probably. She's going to yeah. run for governor. Uh-huh. <laughs> you going to run for governor? <laughs> but I don't I don't know who Candace is. Who's Candace? Candace Owens is an African American uh conservative. Oh, okay. She's a very smart lady. Okay. And she is badass. Yeah. She is badass. You may not agree she's with her, great. but she's badass. Oh, okay. And so uh well, Amber, listen, we just want to spend some time with you and say hi and thank you for doing so and it's just great to see you smiling and laughing and thriving and Go be aggressive in any means you want. <laughs> I think it's just great. Yeah. It's right. great. I'm, just, I'm just passionate. I want to sp- spread the news. Yeah, good for you. And uh, w- other than the Instagram and the Facebook, should we look for you anywhere else? Um, well, in a couple of months, I'll be starting South Bay Homeopathy. So uh, you can, you'll probably find my website. Also, right. I, at Twitter, too, at Amber Lee Smith. We can follow you there. I'm yes. sure you'll be talking about it there. All right, Amber, thank you so much. We're going to take a little break and uh, hang on. We'll be right back. Let's talk about CBD. It's, of course, everywhere today. It's a hot topic, and I get asked about it all the time. Bottom line, although there are way more claims, there is very little clinical evidence just yet. The science is lagging behind, but many people are using it and reporting anecdotally very good results. I want to first define exactly what we're talking about here. CBD, or cannabidiol, is an extract from hemp. And while you might associate it with marijuana, CBD is the non-high, non-rewarding component of hemp. And it's responsible for other effects, calming, sleep, not high. Now, about the products. There are a ton of them out there today. Forget the vast array of reported health benefits. It's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards. No hype. Their CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is clearly described to you so you can make an informed decision without promises that seem too good to be true. Like I said, the reported benefits of CBD are compelling, and I'm excited to see how things develop with the science as this booming industry gets going. So if you want to try CBD, you might check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com slash select. That is my site, drdrew.com slash S-E-L-E-C-T. For a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with the code DRDREW. 
And we're back, and uh, it's good to talk to Amber. I'm nice to see her light and cheery. I can't uh, mm-hmm. sign off all the homeopathic stuff. It doesn't fit um, a basic science, but right, if right. it helps her and helps people, fine. Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, if, if people are doing well and they are um, happy, yeah. I think that they're much better off, right? If they're happy, yes. yes. Uh, we got some emails. We got a bunch of stuff to get into here. This is an interesting topic. Uh, it's, uh, hi, I'm interested in trying ayahuasca and mushrooms. So what do you think about mushrooms being legalized in Denver? I think it's an interesting move. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I, think that, I think that we're opening up quite a bit of chemical or allegedly natural um, types of difference, but but it is chemical, right? And that's my issue with it is because chemical to me doesn't sound like a process. It sounds like an event Mm -hmm. and those events fade uh-huh. And then we have what's left over from the event. The injuries. Whatever that injury is. And I don't yeah. think we know enough about these things to really endorse um, how they're going to benefit people. Right. I don't know if they're going to benefit people. It's something to try, but I suppose. P- p- part of the problem is the, they've been, the idea of a, of a evil molecule, right? The idea that no, this molecule should never be touched by human hands. This, this Schedule 1 is a ridiculous thing. Well, of course. It's, right. Yeah, yeah, and silly. so we have not done the research to tell what good they could do. Now, there's some research coming on with psilocybin, which is the mushroom, Correct. for end of life that looks really good. Looks really good. Yeah, end of life okay. anxiety. So there's okay. something that, that they're finally doing some research I, I'm on. I'm sure that the research will come out to to either support uses for these, or, or, these or things. Particular or particular situations. Or particular yeah. situations. Or used in clinical settings yeah. um, with professionals. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that that part of it to me just is important around the scientific basis of what we're going to put into our system and if we're going to endorse it or not i can't endorse even cannabis at this point there's not enough information there's not enough studies and there's just a bunch of people telling me oh this helps me right but i'm like okay but wait how long is it going to help you? How much? What, what is, happens next? What's exactly. the downside? How do we look for that? Where yeah. is the pathology? Are you addicted? Are you not addicted? Who's managing How are this? you functioning? Who's, who's managing it? The dosing. There's, there's no one managing the dosing. Yeah. Um, and it's all, it just sounds like, you know, people who just want to do what they want to do, yep. maybe not the best thing for them right. to do. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, ayahuasca, now that's getting interesting too. Now they have these people that can give you these guided trips and they have different religious practices around them now. There's a lot of that in Los Angeles. Tons. I, I don't know what tons, to make of that. Tons, I, tons. I saw some serious yeah. brain injury from ayahuasca, so okay. it scares me. Yeah. And all, all whenever I sort of informally just observe the the kinds of reactions people get to it. I, I, they seem to break into 30% get a terrible reaction, have the worst feelings of That'd their life. That'd be me. That'd be, that I, that would sure happen to me if I tried that. Yeah. 30% get sort of nothing. Mm-hmm. Mixed. And then 30% get lovely insights, great things, and they feel like it was a very positive experience to them. I don't know. I just remember people coming back from Ibogaine being, having their personality changed. That scares the hell out yeah, of me. Yeah, and it scares me to think that we're going – you have to – if you go under the influence of something that's that's that you know potentially mind-altering, right? Yep. You're going to have to trust the environment that you're in because you don't have faculty. And I just don't want to put myself in that situation. <laughs> you don't want to be that. I mean, a- maybe I'm just not you know free and open enough, but I'm just not interested. So uh, thoughts on whether it might be safe to try or it's something I should could bring up to my doctor. Your doctor's not going to be likely to – 
know much about it. Uh, I'm pretty solid. Once in blue, I feel dissociated from reality, but depression runs my family. I had an uncle who did acid, got stuck up on a roof and committed suicide a few months later. Interesting. But that, to me, sounds like there was a predisposition for something. And sure. that's what scares me about ayahuasca and the uh, psilocybin. And You're not screening the, for those predispositions. They're not screening. Yeah. And we don't know what's going to happen. So how bad do you feel? Yeah. And is it going to be worse and what would they be the potential for it becoming worse we don't if know. you do do this? Yeah, we just don't know. Uh, here's another um, email. My son's name is Drave, Draven, Draven Johnson. He's the second smallest heart transplant recipient by UCLA. Wow. His transplant was at three weeks after birth. Draven, Draven is now four and thriving. Uh, the intention of my correspondence is to shed light on the unfortunate decision by many parents to not vaccinate their children. Mm-hmm. Having an immu- immune-compromised toddler mm-hmm. makes allowing him to live a full life amongst other children his age hard to non-existent. No, oh, that's tough. That's a tough so situation. So this is this is the thing about vaccines for me. Okay. We have an obli- if I don't care what your belief system is, we have an obligation to each other mm-hmm. to protect one another, to protect the immunocompromised kids, to protect the babies that haven't been vaccinated yet, to protect the adults that haven't kept their vaccinations up. We have re- the homeless. If they get exposed to measles, it's going to be over. It's going to roar through there. Mm-hmm. Measles is so contagious. So contagious. If, you, if somebody walked through this room, you and I are sitting and podcasting in two hours ago, two hours ago, and we were not properly immunized, we would contract measles. Right. And and th- it's that it's guaranteed and it's that I, contagious. I'm just guessing. I wasn't around before vaccinations of measles. I'm just guessing, though. There was a good reason leading why cause we of came ch- up with it. Leading cause of childhood death throughout human history. Okay, as recently as 1980, 3.6 million deaths. Okay, okay. So yeah. so there, and there I'm and that sure. And that doesn't count the the brain injuries and the deafness, deafness and all the right. other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, I have experienced my next door neighbor. Her daughter was deaf. And it was because she contracted measles yep. while she was pregnant with her daughter. Oh, that's the worst. It's the the, the stuff that you, the torch that's syndrome that's called. Yes, of course. That's what happened. Um, that might have been German measles, though. Okay, yeah, German but, measles. Yeah. That sounds but right. still, that you're, that's the other the MMR. That's the R in the in the vaccine. Okay. So okay. you might need to be revaccinated. We got revaccinated. Okay. Uh, and people out there should at least get their titers checked if they're born between 1957 and 1980. Okay. Are you in their okay. window? Are you? I am in that yeah. window. Thank and, you. And, and so, <laughs> and and yeah, I I think it's just simple to go get the vaccine. Of course. So we just went and got the vaccine. Okay. Um, but if you have any questions, talk to your doctor. Get the titers checked. And uh, if you're if you're not well, properly my, immunized, you my know. daughter was born with a congenital heart defect and had heart surgery immediately. Um, and we had no question about getting her uh, immunizations. And yeah. at that point, you know, obviously this woman who they had the heart transplant, yeah. obviously these are compromised folks. Correct. It's, and, and it's a live attenuated virus. So they may not be able to give the virus to somebody like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I do, and I am grateful for the people that you know, are saying, listen, this is what we need to do. Although the conspiracy theorists seem to have their own platform around what vaccinations are about and and why they exist, but I'm a science-based individual. We're science-based, so, I mean, it's hard for me to bend my mind around the fact that there was a big conspiracy around poisoning Americans or something. I I don't care. We have a responsibility to each other. we got to protect each other. And we've okay. lost that. We're all such special, self-focused snowflakes. Our rights are all that matter. Yours don't count. 
we must reverse that. Right. Much like Amber's reversal. Mm-hmm. I thought that was okay, so she sees things differently. Good. That's yes, great. Yeah, it, but we have to reverse the self-preoccupation to us being concerned with protecting one another. Yeah. And if you take that orientation, you run to get the vaccine. You, I ran to get it. I couldn't get it fast enough. Right. Because I want to protect everyone I'm around. Right. Uh, if I had a reaction, too bad. Right. Too bad. So what? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, long-time love line listener. I've read about the love languages. My girl's in touch love language. I act... I don't know what this guy's saying. Let's try another one. Uh, have you talked to him regarding the devastation vaping these cigarettes is going on in our youth? Okay. Mm. I don't have a, I'm not feeling any problem with e-cigarettes. Okay. Um, I don't want kids to get exposed to nicotine, but there's a strange phenomenon that no one is investigating. In, the higher the level of vaping of nicotine, yes. the lower the level of drug use Okay. in high schools. Okay. There might be some. I'd much rather see them vaping than doing drugs. Much. Well, of course. Much. Me well, the too. world. The world is in some sort of weird moral panic. Mm-hmm. They're confusing tobacco and nicotine. Okay. Nicotine is essentially harmless. Okay. Not good for the adolescent brain, and it could hook them on the nicotine, which they will then just take forever. Right. Uh, but it, and it may have some, maybe some cardiovascular effects in certain situations, but compared to drug use. Thousands of times safer. Of course, of course. Much And safer. so I don't understand the moral panic. Okay. People in a moral panic about it. Right. I, I do understand a certain aspect of it Tell because me. I'm around a lot of vapors, yeah. people who are vaping. Well, they end up using a lot of cannabis in there. Yes, but even people who are not abusing cannabis yeah. or anything else besides yeah. vaping. Just the nicotine. Just the nicotine. Yeah. Here's the socio bio issues around it. Good. They do not get out of their own myopic way. They are constantly obsessed with where their vape is. They're constantly obsessed with vaping. They can't hold conversations. Like a cigarette. They can't work without vaping. Uh, They can't carry out their daily activities without vaping. what, What age group is this? This is 18 to 25, 18 to so 30. Adults, adults. Adults. People so, who are supposed to be functioning. So severely I call it the pacifier. Yeah. I call it their pacifier. It's their grown-up pacifier. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get work done. I'm trying to help get things done during the day. And every time I turn around, they're vaping. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Can't they vape and work at the same time? Well, the, yes, I suppose you can. Um, but it's still hinders your ability to really focus on the on what you're really doing because you're in a big cloud of something well you're vaping and you're preoccupied is this a preoccupation Sheesh. all right so, so, so beha- it's a behavioral problem i it. think it's a behavioral thing yeah. i don't know about nicotine but they i see my my cohort in anybody who's ever picked it up like even later in life yeah Boom. They get going with it. They do. So why yeah. don't they get some nicotine gum or some nicotine patches or something to reduce the desire to pursue the nicotine? Because when you're in it, you don't see the issues with it. Hmm. You know, so you, they, they you don't have a problem. You, they don't have a problem with it. You're right. not seeing the issues with it. Right, right. Um, but when people have to go outside, all you know, every yeah. five minutes, mm. it's hard to get whatever inside done. Well, that's that sounds like a dependency. Like, like they've got a they've got a problem. Right now, yeah. I don't know if everybody who vapes becomes yeah. dependent on vaping. Yeah. This is just my experience. Yeah. Okay, with it. that's a concern. I get that. Uh, I'm 
husband is 84, I'm 62, married 38 years. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer last year. He had his prostate removed. That's at 83. That's crazy. Doctor told him his PSAs were normal. Uh, he takes morphine twice a day for pain. Yikes. Wait a minute. Then, I think it's. I think she's saying that maybe there's a recurrence. Why did the oncologist miss this? I, I, I need more information. Uh, if somebody's taking morphine for prostate cancer, it's because it's in the bones. And in an older person, it can be a little more aggressive. And, and there are certain prostate cancer that have very low PSAs that are actually really aggressive. Mm-hmm. So uh, in an 83-year-old, why would they have removed his prostate? You normally just do radiation or implant, something like that. So anyways, a lot missing in that one. Can I quickly ask yeah. a question about vaping? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there secondhand smoke from vaping? Do you feel second, second hand nicotine? There's second hand clouds of, of, of <laughs> steam. Uh, from marijuana, steam and from vapor. Marijuana. Uh, like, sure, I imagine. Oh yeah, definitely. Like if somebody vapes and in your car and you get a big whiff of it, something happening. Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us the story, Susan. Can you get high off of that? Is there a story here? I don't. It happened to me recently. I what don't happened? get high from contact. I just don't have that kind of body mm-hmm. that does but that. Is there such a thing? But, but I'm but sure listen, there's such a like thing. If you have kids the, and you smoke in, with them in a car, can they get in, secondhand? In the old days, we would go, no, that's ridiculous. Of course, you're just smoking pot. Now, the pot is so powerful. But it's a vape pen. It's thing. so powerful. I don't even know what anything Yeah, is. a wax pen. It's a wax pen. It's so powerful that just being around it, for sure, you get high. Okay. Well, your daughter is, you know. Getting you high. Well, it helped her. She had horrible nausea. And she's just like, oh, this feels Because when she drives in the car, she gets super nauseous. Oh, and then you like got me. And, and then you got high? That's what I should I should do that, maybe. I don't know. I've never tried it. But, anyways, because um, pot makes me paranoid. Did so. you get high? No, but I said, don't. I open the window because I don't want to be driving high. I don't know how this will affect me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, I'll start driving really slow or. No, I just was curious because they're all new to me. All of a sudden, I, I smell this weird smell. I go, what's that smell? And uh-huh. she goes, oh, I'm bite. Here's a, a physician that's created a vice called the implant first responder. Continuously monitors a patient's respiratory rate and then automatically delivers a rescue dose of naltrexone, of naloxone, if their respiratory rates get too low. This is not the direction we want to be going. Maybe for cancer patients. Maybe for cancer patients. But, but this is some. This but, if you're in, if you're. I can't understand how you can understand addiction and even conceive of something like this. If you are taking so much opiate that your life is in danger all the time, we can't have that. That's not somebody. That's not pain control. That's a drug addiction. That wouldn't be pain control. Clearly, right? right. And we, and we have to recognize and get out of the opioids. Suboxone may be a decent medicine for chronic pain all other opioids make pain worse do you have you experienced anything different than that i have not experienced anything different than that in fact um when we do finally get people off pain meds that they don't need to be on their um, pain either goes away goes away or or goes down dramatically and then they're willing to take other interventions that actually help their pain like physical therapy yoga exercise Hydrotherapy. Local measures, whatever, xylocanes. But the um, if your average patient comes in and you ask them on a scale of 10, how big is your pain? The, pain, the chronic pain patient on opiates, what do they tell you? 10. They usually say 15 or 20. Well, yeah. They usually, okay. They're very dramatic. Very. Uh, and then after two weeks coming off opiates, their withdrawal is finished, 
when you ask them again on a scale of 10, what is your pain? What do they usually say? They usually say it's down around a five. That's four or five. Yeah. And do they, when they come in, how much are they talking about their pain? Uh, incessantly. And two weeks later, how much are they talking about their pain? Uh, two, three times a day, maybe. And if, when we're if asking. Evoked. When, if evoked. When, when, yeah. when we're, if evoked. Yeah, when we're That's discussing it. it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They see how spectacularly different that is. Just taking them off the opiate. Just taking them off the opiates. No, that's, I mean, that's I, I so can't crazy. imagine people need How many people be died because doctors opiates. don't know that? Tens of, that's, maybe that's, hundreds of thousands. That's maybe. a lot of people. Yeah. That's a lot of people. And I think that, too, I mean, the studies show that we as a culture are taking 98% of the pain meds that are manufactured in the world and, and we couldn't possibly have more pain than what? everyone what how we dare have you the better life how than everyone dare? else no, right so we ridiculous. should have less pain right we have all That's these right. like all these great so, you know, so doctors and all if this you were to, stuff if you were to guess why we're having all this stuff what would your theory be I think it's somatic. Yeah. But yeah. but what what is it about our psychology that is so off? Um I think that maybe our expectations are very high for how we're supposed to feel, especially as we age. Um, I think that our expectations of happiness are out of balance with reality. Mm-hmm. I think that people have expectations of feel supposed to feel a certain way. All and the time. people do not manage their expectations mm-hmm. and they don't lean into the pain or, or, or lean into the difficulty to get through it. They the, avoid the, it. Right. The ordinary misery. The ordinary misery that that I feel like makes for people's unrealistic expectations to be constantly, you know, made more pathological by people who buy into this. Mm-hmm. I'm super into like the body is telling you something. You don't need to mask it. You don't need to run from it or cover it up. It's telling you something. Like if I get in pain, I need to know that. And I need to change something, not take or if a you pill. Get anxious or depressed—that's that could be a message too. That's also a message because I'm overly stressed. I don't have enough good nutrition. I'm not sleeping enough. I'm not sleeping well enough. I'm engaged in some kind of uh, relationship that's not good for me. I am engaging in some type of of stressor that I can make changes in my life around. I, I also think there's something. I'm, I'm looking up a definition for you of the word anomi. Here it is. Okay. I'm going to have you read it. Yeah. Read what that says. Okay. Anomy is a condition in which society provides little moral guidance to individuals. It involves, it evolves from conflict of belief systems and causes breakdown of social bonds between an individual and the community, both economic and primary socialization in a person that, this can progress into a dysfunctional ability to integrate within normative situations of their social world. Example, an unruly person's personal scenario that results in fragmentation of social identity and, See, and rejection all sort of, of values. Aren't we all sort of suffering from this, something like that? Well, where where does that word, what's the Latin for that word, where to come from? Uh, well, let me see if I can figure that out. Okay. Uh, it was a Durkheim word. It was... Uh, 
absence of norms originally sort of absence it's absence of values absence of meaning absence of social connection i think about it that way sure and are we kind of in that well yeah because we need that connection to again be the best we can be uh in the framework of social community and feeling purposeful and part of something part of something bigger than us or it's part of something that uh, we all need to bond together to grow and change through. Um, I think that, you know, the proverbial sort of seeking of happiness or joy, yeah. it, it can't be derived in the absence of unhappiness right. and pain. Right. We can't separate the two. It's uh, from a word, uh, the Greek word meaning lawlessness, a oh. law, so lack, okay. of, lack of laws, lack of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And isn't trauma sort of lurking in the background in all these things? Well, I always trace everything back. I mean, I could be myopic in the way that I view things because I am from a certain level of, of education and then the, my parameters of experiencing people is a lot of trauma is yeah. in front of me all the time. So yeah. I could be projecting if I say something that's, you know, I feel like, yeah, maybe trauma is lurking in a lot of pathologies. I don't know if it's lurking in all of this sort of cultural menagerie of all this social change and the mess we're in. I, I'm not exactly sure if that does play a role um, because I'm, I'm someone who sits in front of people who are at a, at a bad place in yeah, their life. You yeah. know? So I don't meet a lot of people who are flourishing. Well, so much. I, I know I, you know, I would talk to, 50 people every night on the radio for 30 years and it was the same okay. <laughs> but again that's self-selecting and yes, it's a bigger and pool and they're, and they're picking or, yeah. up on oh they're going to listen to Loveline yeah. because they, there's something wrong yeah. they like you know they but have problems and then the ones that call in mm-hmm. more likely to have trauma but it was, I just think it was awful we went through sort of a wave of it I think I think it was more than normal well we're going to see I think in the next 50 years yeah that how all of the applications have kind of worked yeah. and if they have because we need a couple generations to see it through yep. we're not going to be able to see it right away so i'm wondering how my daughter's daughter is going to be yeah you know i wonder how those generations are going to benefit from a lot of recovery um and and a whole idea of of you know being for the culture you know that sort of flip from that that myopic self-centered acquirement being for the community community and changing that because things have kind of paddled towards this direction, which is now impacting our cultural uh, needs and wants so Mm. much. And our communities are obviously, I live in Los Angeles. I feel imperative. It's imperative to talk about the cultural issues that are happening in our city, which are I think dire and moving towards epidemic Agreed. on the streets. Mm-hmm. And if we don't band together, what's going to happen? There will be an epidemic. That's right. So I think it's it kind of lends itself to the idea that if we're in these situations, what is the solution is to come together yeah. and build communities so that we can wrap around these services for these folks and we can if we can solve the homeless and the encampments and the you know the that that situation we have going on i think our culture would have flipped back towards a more communal concern i hope so 
if we can do it. I'd love to see that. I mean, I would love to see it too. I think it's possible. I will leave it with that positive thought. Miss Producer, anything else you want us to do? No, I think that Shelly has once again hit it out of the delivered, park. Delivered, delivered. Oh, Shelly delivered. Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Thanks for listening and subscribing on your favorite platforms. Rate us five stars and tell a friend. Also, be sure to visit drdrew.com for the latest news. We'll tell you where you can find all of our health-related content, including the latest in-depth series, The History of Opium. You can now listen to it on the Weekly Infusion podcast. We have some great and very interesting and appropriate interviews with key historical players in the history of opium. We're excited about our newest podcast, Dr. Drew After Dark, which has been described as a dark web reboot of Loveline. It's the hottest guest spot for all the most popular comedians. Beware, it is for a mature audience. It is kind of a reboot of Loveline. You can hear the episodes first in a podcast form Thursday. Then on Friday, you can watch all the video episodes when the YouTube page drops on the Your Mom's House YouTube channel. New episodes every week. Subscribe, tell a friend. Also on Doctor.com, you can find Swole Patrol, our health and fitness podcast with Mike Catherwood. If you want something a bit more refined that will expand your intellectual horizons, please subscribe to the Dr. Drew Podcast, where I feature a wide variety of very interesting and important guests. Get in-depth interviews there. Last but not least, me and Adam, Adam and Dr. Drew Show Podcast. It's a lot of fun, and we are still together, and you can get it five days a week. So go to drdrew.com, please tell a friend, and we thank you for it. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.